Here it is. Again. One, two, three, I believe that the music I heard is a killer. It's a killer of hope. It's a killer of spirit. Little girl should be seen and not heard. And Devo plays for Muffy's party. We bring you an act who at first may shock you. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. Ba-dum, ba-dum. Let's go! Hey, everybody. I'm Rob. And I'm Joseph. Welcome to part one of the October 1979 edition of Deep Dives and Deep Cuts. A history of punk, post-punk, and new wave, 1976 to 1986. It's a month that matches September in quantity, if yeah. not quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so both episodes this month are dedicated to October 1979 albums. Uh, we had such an incredible run um, from May to September. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it had to end sometime. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of disappointed with with the albums in this lineup. I mean, there are a few high points for me, yeah. but a lot of this just gets a big eh. Yeah, you say that. And, you know, I'm typically known as a guy who will like pretty much anything um, or at least find a high point in, in almost everything. And, and mm-hmm. this is, like you said, there's a couple of high points and then there's a plateau that is kind yeah. of it's quite a bit lower than the high point, <laughs> but yeah, it's a plateau. Yeah. So, well, let's go ahead and kick things off with a high point. Yeah. Um, a song off of the the fall sophomore release. Uh, this is called "Your Heart Out." Just take, for instance, a time of great depression. Shut your heart out. Don't cry your eyes out. Don't shut your heart out. No, 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 heart out. I mean, I absolutely love this band. Man, their sound is so diverse. <laughs> you know, they—they're really great. I mean, I—I I quite enjoy this song. It's just—it's. Over the years, their sound changes so much, and I, I think it's kind of cool. Well, we'll certainly have a lot to talk about this album. But first, we got to get through the regular rigmarole. Um, so let's just uh, remind everybody that we are talking about music. Music is art, and there is nothing more subjective than art. Uh, this is an opinion show. But even so, we do try to be mindful not to get too opinionated because ultimately we are here to celebrate this extraordinary music that was created during a pretty unique period of time. Speaking of which, Professor Rob, what was going down in October of 1979? Uh, Music was crazy at the time. We had a lot of number one hits here in the U.S. We had Sad Eyes by Robert John. Don't Stop Till You Get Enough by Michael Jackson, Sail On by The Commodores, and Rise by Herb Alpert. Uh, notable movies were the movie 10 with Bo Derek, The Black Stallion, um, and Justice for All, and Starting Over. There really wasn't anything debuting on TV around this time of the year, uh, but there were some notable events. For instance, Pope John Paul II was the first pope to visit the White House. 
Uh, also at the time, Panama assumed sovereignty over the canal area, and Mother Teresa was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize. And there you have it. October 1979, 101. <laughs> Excellent. We are breaking October up into two episodes. So as we mentioned before, there will be no uh, deep dive episode this month. And when we were splitting up the albums, I, I thought we were intentionally kind of splitting them up so it was a balanced mix for each episode. Mm -hmm. But that's you, you, we kind of have to just guess because at that point we haven't actually listened to a lot of these albums. I I think that I chose poorly. <laughs> I, oh, no. I, I, I think we got sort of the grunts, runts of the litter sort of in this batch. Oh, there were some grunts too, let me tell you. <laughs> some grunts and some grunts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, and next episode is going to knock on wood be a lot stronger. But yeah. you know, there's there's still a lot of interesting stuff. I, gosh, I um quite most of these albums I had never heard before. Yeah, and yeah, se same. several of these bands I hadn't heard before too. So, so we sh should we just jump into wow. um the fall? I say it. Let's let's go for it. So, The Fall releases their uh, second album, uh, second album of 1979. Uh, I, as, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. it, it was called Dragnet. Um, and it is, you know, when we talked about their debut album, um, we spent a fair amount of time talking about how, like, what a quick turnaround the recording process was. They just went in. I think they recorded in like one or two days, right? Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was pretty quick. So I was expecting with this, I was expecting something that was a little less rushed and a little bit, uh, I mean, using the word polished on a fall record is, <laughs> is a bit of a misnomer. But compared to the first album, I was expecting it to be a little bit more produced but that was not the case at all this is like a super lo-fi affair uh which was uh not what i was expecting i mean it really does kind of sound like it was recorded well but recorded in like somebody's living room yeah yeah <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> <laughs> and um i you know the fall They've got their shtick. Um, not I. I was intrigued when you said when you mentioned, um, you know, the falls a diversity musical diversity mm -hmm. because I have no idea what you're talking about. This sounds you don't, you like don't think so. Kind yeah. of more of the same. I mean, they they pick, uh, you know, from song to song, they will pick a different style but it's still as far as like you know one song might have a certain guitar style yeah uh as opposed to another song but it is still sounding like the fall, the fall. very well, very very much so yeah i will it's definitely give you that i gotta say that uh 
as and, and as far as the songs on this album, they sound like they have the same sound. But if you look at yeah. their albums over the years, I do feel like there's definitely some obvious evolution going on there, and and and, and it's something I really enjoy. Sure, but I mean, uh, I'm just given in the context of being in 1979 in October of oh, 1979, yeah. not hearing too much of a difference stylistically from the first album to the second album. Right. I think the songs were stronger on the first album than on this album. Um, and I, I, I don't think that my opinion is influenced by the, um, the production value or the low fineness of it, but it probably doesn't help any mm -hmm. either. Um, so where are you at with this album? Well, I kind of dig that, uh, you know, that super DIY sound. Um, you know, there there was a band a ways back that, uh, you know, recorded a, a, a YouTube video on a, uh, uh, on a subway. And I like the sound of that so much. I actually enjoyed that version of, of that song more than I like the one they recorded in the studio. It's just kind of a cool sound. And mm -hmm. and the fall definitely with these last two albums has, has that kind of, like you said, it, in, in this case, it's probably just because they, they didn't have the time uh, to get their shit together. But, <laughs> but I like that. I like that sound. I like, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I like it sometimes when it sounds like the band's in one part of the room and the guy with the mic is in the other part of the room. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, I also am a, a, a fan of the band. I enjoy their music. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I just, I personally feel that I, I, there are lots of gaps in my, uh, my knowledge of uh, the, of the falls catalog for sure. But I have a fair amount of their albums, and um, I think that this is personally, I feel like they are better served uh, with a um, a well produced, more polished sound. Uh, that it's a nice little container for their sort of insane, crazy energy. Um, I don't know. That's that's just me. I like it when they when they sound a little bit slicker. I'm I'm looking yeah. forward to like the Friends experiment album. Yeah. You know. Well, there's there's definitely that that's definitely coming. I mean, they're gonna sound slicker yeah. down the road. Yep. Um, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned before that Richard Temple is the one that introduced me to the Fall, mm -hmm. and um, we used to play the Fall on the radio on the radio show, and he as a gift gave me everything by them and i mm. was like i was just eating it all up so well the song that we heard at the top of the show your heart out uh is probably my favorite song off of the album it's it's kind of the jauntiest mm -hmm. and i to me it doesn't quite match like uh, the high points on their first album. So I definitely prefer their first album to this album. And I, I got to tell you, they're, they're, the fall shtick is already starting to get old for me. 
Oh, which is, no. Which is, does not bode well because oh, I think no. I think the fall releases what seventy albums in the yeah. next ten years. <laughs> yeah, they're still going. It's crazy. <laughs> oh. So what is what is your pick off of this album? So the funny thing is, is that my favorite song on the album is "Your Heart Out." Um, oh yeah, and I yeah. chose not to pick that song because I wanted to branch out a little bit. Um, I, I picked Dice Man, and I picked it because I felt it was super jaunty, and um, I also was looking at it from kind of a poetry standpoint, like, you know, what exactly is the story going on in this song? And, and so thinking about all that, I just got interested in the song itself, and, and that's why I picked it. I am the dice man, I take a chance, huh? Do you take a chance, huh? So that is the Falls' second album, an album called Dragnet. Uh, I gotta, I gotta tell you, Rob, I wouldn't be surprised if I get all the way through this podcast, like to 1986, and the Fall never makes my top ten. I, I just, I don't. I mean. Ouch. I'm not. I'm not predicting it. I'm just. Mm. I. I'm. I just wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. I, I, I'm not like. I, I. I like them in small doses. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not sure that. That I would ever just sit down and listen to a fall album all the way through. Well, so. I got to say that I. Well, I I have binged the fall, and mm-hmm. maybe as a, at a detriment to my own health. But <laughs> um, but as far as whether or not this is going to make my list, uh, I don't think it's going to make this one. Although I wouldn't be surprised if it made somebody's list. You know, we may uh, towards the end of the year see this uh, this album popping up on uh, people's list. So. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think it's an almost certainty. Certainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thinking of one individual in particular. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely on that list. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's move into the next album on our list. Uh, one of my favorites, Blondie. And the album is Eat to the Beat. Uh, this is Blondie's fourth album. And uh, it boy, it, it got it got really big. It was made platinum in the U.S. and was on Billboard's album chart of the year, uh, album chart for a whole year. So uh, here in the U.S., we were loving it. Um, it peaked, unfortunately, only at number seventeen, even though it was so hot for so long. Uh, still, it was uh, also one of Billboard's top ten albums in nineteen eighty. Um, so in just in October. I mean, in October of 79, it reached number one in the UK and uh, was made platinum there too. So 
this album, of course, was quite a departure from Parallel Lines. It, it feels, to me, it feels kind of like a blend of like, you know, they, they and, and I think Blondie has, was always kind of good. I don't know if good at this is the word, but uh, this is a thing they did where they take all kinds of styles of music and, and throw it together in one album for a big tossed salad. Um, yeah, but this is what happens when you let the band, the band write their own songs, which is, which is how this one went down. Um, I did find it interesting, though. Uh, Debbie Harry, uh, I was saying in, in a, an interview that the, the band was kind of, at this point in time, the band was a powder keg. And she and, and Chris Stein were working really hard to hold the band together. So there was a lot of like eclectic, uh, eclectic happenings, eclectic writing and eclectic styles taking place. People's, it was just so chaotic. And uh, luckily they managed to keep the band together and came out with this, which was my third favorite Blondie album. So eat to the beat. I, I, I enjoy it. I enjoy the sounds. Um, there's quite a few good songs on it, but, uh, what do you think? What do you think about this album? Joseph, I, I kind of know what you think about Blondie, but, but yeah. Yeah. And, and ditto for this album. I, mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, for me to, I'm trying to think of an album that I love that doesn't have like a strong ethos to it. Mm -hmm. That's really important to me, right? Yeah, so, sure. you know, if you you look at the albums that I really flip out for, like Kate Bush's The Dreaming, right? Uh -huh. Um it's it's all about creating this this ethos, this little little micro universe within yeah. the the album and blondie just doesn't do that yeah, it, the, that's the you truth. know it's just like a collection of songs and the qual the 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 quality and the songwriting uh, the execution is usually pretty good but the songwriting quality is kind of all over the place too so so i just you know i think it's fine uh the as per usual with the with a Blondie album, the two biggest hits are the two songs that I like the most. They're actually two of my favorite Blondie songs, Dreaming and Atomic. Mm -hmm. um, it should be noted that we our very first deep dive was on Blondie, so we spent yeah. a fair amount of time talking about this album. And on that episode, we already uh, listened to the title track and the other song we listened to was Die Young, Stay Pretty. Yeah. What is your song pick for today? I picked Accidents Never Happen. No, I don't believe in luck.
this song's got a great new new wave vibe to it, even though the album as a whole is super well, I was going to say super poppy, but it's kind of poppy, rock, punk, reggae. I don't know what it is, but it's this this song itself has has this uh, new wave vibe that I really like. And I'm a big sucker for Debbie Harry's uh, breathy, um, you know, her, her breathy vibe. Yeah, yeah, that was Blondie's Eat to the Beat, uh, their fo- fourth studio album. Um, I. I know you're not crazy about the album, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to say that this at least is a consideration for me to mm-hmm. be on the on the top ten list at the end of the year. Their last album topped was our was our audience's number one album of 1978. Mm-hmm. Um, that I cannot imagine uh, that a repeat performance with this album, but. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot of love out there for for Blondie, and yeah. um, obviously not in consideration for for my list. But I wouldn't be surprised if it makes the final list. Um, and you know, it's Blondie, so unless the name of the album is The Hunter, it should be um, <laughs> in consideration when when yeah. people are kind of putting their lists together. Absolutely. Okay, let's move on to a band I was not familiar with at all. Uh, This was actually a suggestion by one of our listeners. uh, And I wish I had in my notes who that person was. It was quite a while ago, but they gave it. He he sent in a, a good list of four or five editions, which were we appreciate. Um, This is the. One album that we're going to be talking about tonight where we don't actually know what month it was released. It was released in 1979, um, probably not in September, but we're sticking in here because because we had a slot. So this is The Reds. It's the their debut album. This falls squarely in the eh category for me. Um Rob, where were you? Where are you at with the Reds? Yeah, that's that's interesting because I I I like this album just okay. Mm. Um, to me, it feels like it feels like they want to be an '80s hair band, um, but uh, there was no such thing yet, so they didn't quite even they didn't even pull that off. Um, it's you know the the songs are okay, the the sound is okay, the band is okay, the album, but the album's just eh, it's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, if if punk had never happened, if post-punk had never happened, if New Wave didn't exist, um, I bet that this album would, 90% of it would be exactly the same. You know, there, there's a little <laughs> yeah. bit of a, of a, a, like a New Wave lean to it, but... Um, you know, I hear, I hear a lot of like, Lover Boy and that yeah. sort of like, um, yeah, exactly, cock rock. You know, late seventies cock rock. Uh, I always um, called it. I always called on. it hair hair band, but yeah, cock rock is a good way to. That's that's right. <laughs> well, but see, hair yeah. hair bands. That was the the. You know, that was like in the mid eighties. Before that, it was cock rock. You it got was that right. like. Billy Squire, you know, oh, yes. stroke me, yes, stroke yes. me. That was 
<laughs> there you go. I, I, um, my, my good friend, um, my good high school friend, Jason used to refer to it as butt rock. So, <laughs> but, but whatever, whatever you call it, everybody knows what you're talking. They know about. what it is. Talking. Yeah. Yeah. So we actually, um, heard one of the, uh, the songs off of this album already. Oh, really? Yeah. Do you know? It's not ringing a bell. Was I out that day? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was the teaser song that we went out on last episode. Yeah, that's right. So we went out on the song Self Reduction by the Reds. Huh. So we've heard what and that song was not on the playlist for last episode, but it will be on the playlist for this episode uh, if you want to go check it out. But in any case, we're going to... So that was my pick. What was your pick off of this album? I picked What You Doing To Me. Yeah, that was what you do to me. And to me, again, this just sounds like a lot of the music um, that I that I heard playing around. A lot of the the cock rock that I heard playing around in the '80s, and and <laughs> even the hair band stuff. It was, it, and it's that kind of music that you you don't know exactly who is that band. I I, I don't remember their name, yeah. but yeah, but yeah. you know, it's that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, you know, the album's all right. It's all right. Well, I'm I I am always happy to be more knowledgeable about bands that existed that people were listening to that were doing this kind of music. So, I I do appreciate the inclusion yeah of them here uh, for sure. But, um, yeah, I mean that song it starts out kind of. Um, intriguing, like, ooh, this is going to be a little bit more new wavy, but by the time you get to the middle of the song, it's like, yeah, butt rock. Yeah. <laughs> it's all drums and hard guitar from there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's it, it's all pretty credible, and yeah, um, yeah so this is, this is not an awful album. It's just uh, not, uh, it doesn't doesn't spark my imagination in in any way. So that is the debut album by a band called The Reds. Moving into the next album is The Adverts with their second album, Cast of Thousands. This is a band that I really enjoy. Um, this album was released on October 12th. And uh, I said it was their second album, but it was also sadly their their final studio album. The Adverts took a different approach on this album. It 
it really kind of the change from their their last album that, that change in sound and their approach kind of caused critics to dismiss it in fact uh, it was even said that that it had the same effects on the fans that the fans would likely just turn their noses up and, and turn away from it um, uh, all that aside uh, one of the band's friends is none other than Henry Rollins. And uh, according to Henry, this is one of his very, not only one of his favorite bands, but one of his favorite albums ever. Um, this is, uh, it, it's giving off to me kind of like a a, a very 60s vibe. Um, and it's, of course, happening at the end of the 70s. So I'm not, I'm just not too... I'm not too into it, you know. It, it felt kind of mod to me at first, at least, at least at the beginning of the album, and it wasn't really the thing I was looking for in a in a new wave punk, a post punk album. So, uh, I think going through the album towards the end, it starts to feel more punkish, but but it doesn't quite hit the mark. I want to remind everybody that we've actually talked about this album uh, before. So in our, um, we did a mini dive on the adverts that was actually the first episode of season two, uh, when we covered January and February of 1978, where we talked about, um, both of their albums and Rob, at the time you and I were both pretty dismissive of this album. So, uh -huh. so we really liked the first album. Right. Um, although, you know, my main criticism of the first album was that all the songs like were very much the same as far as their structure and all of that. And, mm -hmm. and I just wonder if, if they, if the adverts didn't sort of like, agree or want to get away from that that's kind of what it feels uh, yeah. like on this yeah. album because they're just kind of all over the place so in that mini dive episode we've heard we heard two songs off of this album already fate of criminals and television's over um i am still um so i, I actually went went back and listened to that episode this morning in preparation for this. Mm -hmm. And I think that my criticisms of this album, um, I, I stand behind. I'm kind of in the same place. So this is a, the, the songwriting here is very ambitious. Um, and to the point where maybe their, their reach exceeded their grasp. Um, as far as their actual abilities or talents. But the biggest criticism I have about this album is that, is that given the um, really ambitious sort of epic songwriting they're attempting to do, this is way underproduced. I mean, it sounds like a bunch of demos. Um, you know, if... Maybe this would have been a great album if they had, like, put the time in, gone into a studio, done it right with the right producer who, mm -hmm. you know, at the very least would say, um, <clears throat> you're going to have to do that lead vocal 
over again because you're way out of tune. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I just, this is, this sounds like a bunch of demos to me. Um, and uh, I am just completely not on board with this album. I, I, f I find this album hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't find it hard to listen to so much as, well, I wouldn't call it hard to listen to. I, I it it didn't do it real didn't do a whole lot for me. So I, I stand mm -hmm. by my dismissal as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean I, I you know, and I just wanna encourage everybody to go back and listen to their first album. Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. I, I, I did enjoy some of the songs on this album though. I won't mm -hmm. I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not trying to, to dog the adverts uh cast of thousands. Um I like, of course, the songs that I picked for tonight and uh, the one that we heard before, Television's Over, I think are a couple of great songs. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm standing by my, by my first uh, impression as well. So. Okay, so what, what is the song that you picked uh, for tonight? The song I picked for tonight is a tune called I Surrender. comparing bands um, you know I don't like saying oh this sounds like so-and-so and this sounds like so-and-so but I do it just as much as anybody else uh, I, I feel like I Surrender um, wants to be a Clash song and mm. uh, so uh, you know and it's likely or you know it's likely that the adverts have been a little uh, uh, a little inspired by the Clash or influenced by them but you know mm -hmm. um that was the advert's second and final album, Cast of Thousands. As uh, far as being a contender, this album, unfortunately, is not going to make my list. It's just, <laughs> like I said, it just doesn't quite do it. So Yeah. Well, uh, my, my guess is, unless Henry Rollins is a listener and and cast his votes that uh, this is probably not going to make anybody's list. Oh, God, I want him to do that. Henry Rollins, cast your vote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody's got to step up for casting thousands, right. right? That's right. Well, I am happy to say that we are going to move on to an album that is, um, yeah, I'm going to say it. It's the highlight of, of the night for me for this playlist for sure uh and that is a, an album by a little band called the police this is their second album called regatta de blanc um message in a bottle and walking on the moon were 
the two big hits off of this album. Rolling Stone magazine thinks it's the 372nd greatest album of all time. So my first question to you, Rob, is mm-hmm. what what do you prefer of their of their first two albums? You prefer um, the the debut, or do you prefer this follow up? That's that's pretty tough, actually. Um, I like them. I like them both quite a bit. Uh, gee, I may actually like the follow up a little bit better, though, to be honest. Regatta de Blanc. Mm, um, you know what? I think that I do too, but yeah. I never would have thought that. I mean, I know yeah. um, when I was a teenager, I definitely preferred the first one, um, but it was the first one was was a lot more uneven than this one is. Mm-hmm. This is much more sophisticated. The energy level isn't quite as high, right. but um, I, I just. I feel like it doesn't get old as fast as the first one does. Um, And I really enjoyed revisiting this album for sure. Um, Yeah. 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 There's a, there's a lot of nice, really nice things going on here. So what is your pick off of this album? Well, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, kind of embarrassed uh <laughs> by this because i did i i listened to the album and i and thoroughly enjoyed the album and i'm like okay what song do i pick and i'm like i i just picked one of my favorite songs which is a song that i've heard over and over again um rather than kind of reach out and pick something you know different i mean they're all interesting songs so why not but i picked bring on the night well i I think this is a great pick. Um, uh, This is one of my favorite songs off of this album as well. It is, it is an amazing song, and it is an amazing album. What, and why are you embarrassed about picking this song? And, I, I, well, the embarrassment has to do with the fact that it's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows this song. Everybody loves this song. Of course, this song's great. And then when you picked your song, I was like, holy crap, that song's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> why didn't I pick that one? Well, and I, it just... I, I, I'm not sure that Bring on the Night is an obvious song. I mean, it is, it is, I think it has gotten more attention over the years, but mm-hmm. was it even released as a single? It certainly It wasn't, didn't. no. Yeah, no. It, I, I don't remember 
it getting any airplay at the time. Um, I think it's one that's just kind of been a fan favorite over yeah. the years. Yeah, and I think that's the thing. It's like, to me, it's like, I'm a fan of the police. I love yeah. this album. I love this song. Everybody else must also love this song. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I really like the laid backness of this yeah. album compared to yeah. the first one, which is yeah, not something that. Yeah, that's not something that I usually say. Uh, usually, I like the you know the spikier, higher energy albums from bands. Well, the Police have definitely matured quickly, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so my pick, um, just a fun, cool, um, slightly subversive song. Um, compared to the rest of them is a song called Contact. I've got a lump in my throat about the notes you wrote. I'd come on over, but I haven't got a rainbow. Have we got contact, you and me? Have we got touchdown, can we be? I've got contacts in my book and in my eyes. My good connection on the telephone never lies. This song was is so I, I don't. I don't want to say it's underappreciated, but I sure as hell didn't remember this song. Mm. So it's definitely, it was underplayed, even on my own playlist, you know, when I had the album. Um, I think it's great. Like you said, it's just kind of a fun and slightly subversive tune. <laughs> but I, I do, I do enjoy it. I wish I'd play, picked it myself. So that is the police's um, second album, Regatta de Blanc. Um very, it'll be really interesting to see if it makes an appearance on the final top 10 be, just because their debut album bombed hard mm -hmm. uh, for for anyone who who wasn't paying attention. I think both, Rob, both you and I predicted it would be the number one <laughs> pick um, for, for right. the top 10 of last year. And... It, like, not only was it not number one, it didn't even make top ten. It didn't even come close to making <laughs> top ten. <laughs> so oh, wow. I, I I have no idea. Um, Probably is not going to make my top ten list, but that is more a testament to the, the mightiness of all of the other albums released yeah. than any deficiencies for... Uh, with this album this is this is a great little album yeah well i'm gonna say that it's too early for me to tell um although we are late in the year already <laughs> there's just a lot of really good stuff out and a lot of good stuff that we haven't listened to yet so mm -hmm. um but it's uh, it's going to be out there for somebody we'll, we'll definitely see it pop up so moving into the next album, we've got uh, a band called The Tourists, of course, with uh, with the, their album Reality Effect. And this is a band that I 
have really been excited about. Um, it's, uh, of course, it's got Annie Lennox and Dave Stewart, who later become Eurythmics. Um, and uh, I don't remember knowing about this band so much early on, you know, as a youngster, uh, or even maybe it was just that I didn't care. But, uh, you know, I enjoyed their first album. And I'm like, great, there's more of them. And they've kind of been doing it for a little while. So uh, this album has two singles, So Good to Be Back Home Again, and a song that I have grown to hate with a passion. I only want to be with you. (laughs) Dusty Springfield. Dusty Springfield cover, of course. Now, if uh, you were around listening to music in the 80s, I think this song was probably covered four or five times just within that decade. And uh, mm-hmm. it was so annoying, so annoying. Um, but at any rate, uh, Reality Effect was way better received than their first album. And uh, most of the songs were written by Pete Coombs. Um, uh, but but this time around, the tourists decided they were going to try something different. And what they were doing was... Uh, trying to, uh, I, I, I can't say they were trying to feature Annie Lennox vocals more, but they were definitely trying to clean her up and, and kind of put her out there. Now, the problem is that there wasn't enough Annie Lennox vocals on this album. Um, I, I did enjoy the album okay, but I find myself still wanting to hear what Annie Lennox can do, you know? Um, I mean, we yeah. know what she can do, but at this point in her her earlier career, maybe she didn't know herself what she could do. You know, I just I wanted more more Annie Lennox. So, so something that just occurred to me now mm-hmm. um, of the nine albums that we're talking about tonight, mm-hmm. four of them are the second album from that they're respective bands released in 1979 yeah so the fall um released two albums in 1979 the um tourists released two albums in 1970 oh my gosh five five (laughs) of the nine ones and then the next three are all second albums of 1979 from their respective. Whoa. That is weird. That blows my mind. That's crazy. Uh, And for this, this band, unfortunately, it was definitely the sophomore slump as they call it. Right. Well, that's what I want to touch base with you on. What, uh, What do you prefer for the tourists? You prefer their debut album or this one? I actually prefer. This is hard. Um, you know, now myself, I enjoyed this album. Like I said, I enjoyed mm-hmm. it okay. Uh, I wanted more Annie Lennox, and so I was disappointed in that. My biggest disappointment in their first album was that there was, like, not definitely not enough Annie Lennox. Um, mm-hmm. I think that I actually prefer this album a little bit better. I, I definitely do. I mean, yeah. I do not love this album i don't even really like this album but on this album they have a vision of what their sound is is right it's a lot more cohesive than the first one which was just stylistically confusing to me 
Um, my biggest criticism about this album is just about every song when it starts out, I like it. And yeah. it sounds like it's going to be more new wavy. And of course, we know Dave Stewart, Annie Lennox are going to go on to do, you know, amazing things with the arrhythmics. So they've got they've got new wave potential. We know that for certain. Yeah. Each song sa- starts out sounding pretty new wavy and then the vocals kick in and man, the lead, the lead male vocalist, what, what is his name again? Oh God. Is that Pete Coombs? Okay. Um, kills this record yeah. for me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and the son, the songwriting and his vocals make it sound like he wants to be like a new wave version of the birds or something. Just, <laughs> it's not a sound that works for me at all. But um, let's let's go ahead and listen to the song that we're going to feature tonight, so everybody can get a sense of what we're talking about. Um, this is a song called "Everywhere You Look." Well, you nailed it on on the head there when you said that it started out new wavy and then, you know, the lead vocalist wants to be a new wave version of the birds because that's that's exactly that's exactly right. Um, All I can say is, is I really want more Annie Lennox and, uh, you know, I I mean, the Eurythmics is coming up, so there's hope. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Well, I, I must say, I mean, the the most exciting thing about this album is that Annie Lennox sounds much more dialed in as yeah. far as like what she wants to do with her voice yeah. and her, her style. It's still not, you know, sweet dreams are made of this, um, right. but but it is not... I just I found their first album really confusing about where where Annie Lennox was going. In that's some of those that's songs. for sure. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. And and it was a goal of theirs to to dial her in more, you know. And mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. I just kind of feel like you know she should have been the lead vocalist in all these songs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. In fact, know. I know you wanted to feature like the one song that really had her vocals <laughs> yeah. up front, but yeah. it, it just. I, I vetoed that because it wasn't an accurate representation exactly. of like the yeah. rest of the album. It, so. It's hard for me to sometimes hold my my feelings back, you know. <laughs> so, um, at any rate, that was uh, that was a tourist <laughs> the tourist reality effect, and uh, I have to say that it's not going to make my list. I mean. I I think that's kind of obvious, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So. I think I think we can move on. Yep. 
to the sophomore release and the second release in 1979 from the band Midnight Oil. This is an album called Head Injuries. And I like this album considerably better than their first album. Mm -hmm. But still... I don't like it very much. <laughs> uh, where, where where are you at with with head well, injuries? I, I think I I think I've mentioned before that I don't remember listening to or hearing Midnight Oil back in the day, but I mm. always knew the name. Mm. Um, and for me, I have to say that they are not very memorable. You know, it's mm. um, mm -hmm. and and so I may have heard their music all along and just just forgotten about it but unfortunately that's that's how i feel about it still yeah you know i i don't i really don't think that they got any notice whatsoever in the united states until mm, until they were like four or five albums in so they were getting a lot of attention in their uh, native country of Australia um, and maybe a little bit outside of Australia. But I, I think that was about it at this point. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this... <laughs> I am totally speculating this is... There's no way that this is actually true. But when I listen to this album, when when I hear music that confuses me, I try to I try and come up with little stories or narratives about like how did this get made or what what were the conditions that these odd choices would would be made in, you know? Um and what this album sounds to me like is like it was made by band a band where the members all want to go in different directions but they're all passive aggressive so they don't fight about what direction the band should go in <laughs> they just play their part in the direction that they want to go in yeah yeah <laughs> that, that re that's really it it does not it doesn't feel like the parts are 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 very simpatico with each right. other as far as the 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 instrumentation um and you know that might be intentional like they were trying to you know just in general um my observation about what was going on in october at least this batch of albums that we're looking at you know we, we've been really lucky over the last several episodes when we were looking at May through September, there were a lot of like groundbreaking visionary albums that came out where, you know, Fear of Music or The Pleasure Principle or B-52s, you know, all of these kind of like startling, singular, in retrospect, very brilliant milestone albums. But and and those you know those those are the ones that sort of go down in history. Um, but I think that I'm getting the impression that around this time there was just a lot of confusion with bands like 
what is next? Where, what direction should we go in? Um, you know, with the, with, with the reds, with midnight oil, with the tourists, um, uh, it just, you know, it, it feels like they're, they're not sure. Are we like rock? Are we new wave? Are we punk? Are we, you know, there, there's just, there's just a lot of stylistic confusion. Um, that is, that is sort of the, the catchphrase for me for this batch. It's just, uh, a lot, a lot of, like earlier when we talked about the Motel's debut album, you know, yeah. uh, where, where it's just things, young bands where things don't seem to have quite clicked yet. We, we we've got a lot of unclicking albums. <laughs> Anyways, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's go ahead and listen to a couple of Midnight Oil songs um, off of Head Injuries. Uh, what is your pick? I picked a song called Naked Flame. This is a mad house. She goes straight for the pub. You'll be lucky to make it till Tuesday. I say you must be joking. The idea's absurd. But the picture's hanging on her everywhere. But she comes right back. Her black velvet cap has gone smiling all over the cup. He says I know my rights. I got nothing to say. But right on There really is no shortage of cowbells at the beginning of the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, when I heard this, I, I got to say, I like the the vocal style. Um, and I, I like the vocals all the way through the song. Um, but my first, my question is, what the hell is this song about? Um, and, and there's plenty of those songs, but this one, I, it was just bugging me through the whole tune <laughs> What am I listening to? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there is still uh, a lot of prog rock on this album, but mm -hmm. not anything close to uh, their debut album. Mm -hmm. So my my pick uh, is a, a, a kind of a fun little weird laid back song called Section 5, Bus to Bondi. Push down that captain barrel I'll take it to the tip yard But I'll leave it as a metal red forecast Sleep well on, catch the bus to Bondi Swim the beach and wonder Who can wear the fashion wear The place is oh so hot And just part of this place I reckon any wrong done What they done And just part of this place I kind of dig this song, and I like, like I said, I like the energy behind it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that is Midnight Oil's uh, sophomore release, Head Injuries. 
the second one that they released in 1979, um, I would be gobsmacked if either of their 1979 releases um, gets any real love from anybody submitting their list. But I don't know. We we have some listeners in Australia, maybe. Sure. Maybe it's a, you know, sentimental hometown favorite um, votes for for them. Um, I, I really am looking forward to experiencing Midnight Oil's uh, progression uh, because I I know that they're going to get to a place that I really like where they're where they're creating music that um, you know just absolutely does it for me. Um, yeah. So humble beginnings, my friend. Humble beginnings. Yeah. That's right. Well, let's move on to the skids. Uh, this is this the skids' second album. It's called Days in Europa. And uh, I didn't know the skids, you know, up until recently. So I, I, I have a totally, you know, a totally new opinion of them, a totally fresh take on, on their stuff. Um, there was also some controversy over the album. Uh, apparently the original album cover features, uh, it's kind of a, a, I guess, kind of a, a, a Nazi you know, take on the Olympics. The Olympic, yeah, uh, I, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, it was in Europe and it was in the 70s, so we have to take that into account. But um, mm-hmm. if you look at the original cover, pretty benign. It wasn't, there was not anything on it that that looked right. uh, remotely, um, you know, Nazi or German or anything. It was in, in fact, it's very like sort of Greek God like, mm-hmm. um, although I there, would... there are spe- specific, uh, you know, Olympics, um, the, the Olympic rings and everything. Um, yeah. but some people read, read that as sort of being Aryan. I, yeah. I, I mean, uh, one thing that I had, one thing that I had read was that, uh, the font on the album was kind of a uh, an old German font, and the style of the art on the album was um, kind of nostalgic of the actual Olympic posters that were in Germany uh, at the time okay. of the 1930-something Olympics. And so it definitely did look like an old German Olympic poster. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they, they did reissue that album in 1980 with a whole new cover. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, but, uh, you know, and I had read also re- interviews saying people were missing the point, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it's not that the skids are trying to be, you know, white supremacists. Um, they were trying to say something completely different and people missed it. So, which I totally can see happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at any rate, uh, they, yeah, they changed the album cover in 1980. Now, I like this album, but I have to say there's uh, a handful of songs that I would find myself skipping over if I had it on CD or on a tape. You know, I'd, um, it's it's one of those albums that I think would be much shorter if uh, 
if I just picked out the ones I really liked. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, this is the second album that they released in 1979. We actually, earlier this season, we talked about their debut album. Mm -hmm. It was so unmemorable yeah. that <laughs> I, I didn't even realize it until like just yesterday. Um, and then I, I kind of went back and listened to it and kind of refreshed my memory. Mm -hmm. Um, not, I, I mean, I like this album so much better than the, the, the first yeah. one. Um, yeah. I, I think it is, it is more, uh, interesting. It's definitely, um, more new wave, which I like, um, and they they just it is definitely um, more produced and more confident sounding. Mm -hmm. um, That's for sure. Don't love it, but but I think it's a pretty solid album. And you know, when I went back and revisited their their first album, I just like my eyes would just just kind of automatically glaze over. You know. 20 seconds into each song and I, yeah. I, I that was not true with this album this is this right, is a right. pretty solid little album yeah. so let's go ahead and listen to um, my pick first um, that is a song called the Olympian This is a fun song. Uh, the energy is really good. There's some super fast guitar and some super fast drums, and uh, uh, it's it's a cool song. Um, I picked a song called "Pros and Cons." Are you Uh, so that was the Skid's second album, Days in Europa, and I'm going to give it a thumbs down. It's far, not, not a thumbs down because I like the album, but it's not going to make my top 10 list. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a heavyweight. It's not a contender, but, um, yeah. you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be a significant album to be an enjoyable one. No, not at all. It was yeah. quite enjoyable. Okay, let's move on to the last album that we're going to discuss tonight. Once again, the second uh, album released in 1979 by Joe Jackson. This is an album called I'm the Man. 
very surprising to discover that the hit single off of this album that was not a hit here in the United States, uh, but in, in the UK was called Different for Girls, actually did better than um, Is She Really Going Out With Him in the UK? Which huh. was a complete surprise to me because that was a, a pretty big hit in the US, right. uh, but Different for Girls, you know, had you ever heard that song before you mm. sat down to listen to this album? Not at all. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. So um, I want to hear where you're at with this album first. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is, this is, I'm going to be honest. It, the album does absolutely nothing for me except maybe put me to sleep. Mm. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, have heard Joe Jackson songs that I like, you know, I know there are a lot of people out there who like Joe Jackson is the shit. Well, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> just for me, it wasn't, wasn't really all that. wasn't all that. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is not the album that won you over. No, unfortunately, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not. And again, I'm not saying that it's horrible. It's just not my style. Well, my friend, I am kind of right there with you. <laughs> oh, I'm surprised. I'm, I'm surprised because I, I know that you really like Joe Jackson. Yeah. Here's the thing. I'm realizing that need, or the, the sentence that you just uttered needs to be in the past tense. So I, I just remember loving him when I was a teenager, but but coming back now, you know, when we talked about the first album, I was like, well, yeah, I like it. I love a couple of songs, but I think it was the other album that I really loved because I remember really loving Joe Jackson. But now yeah. I listen to this. I like this album even less than, uh, yeah. than his debut album. And I think that I, I, I'm just a, at a different place. And... I mean, he's a super talented guy. Right. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. But his sensibilities are um, not very interesting to me. I, I think that he was he was very well served when he, a couple of years down the road, um, uh, transitions into sort of like adult contemporary jazz pop. And that's when he like hit huge here in the right. United States with right. um, Day and Night, I think was the name of the album or, or something very close to that. And he, he had a couple of, um, you know, uh, contemporary, adult contemporary type um, hits that that just, you know, made... I wouldn't say a superstar here in the United States, but but he was like he was in the the top ten mainstream radio for a long time with uh, at least that one album, um, and I, I think that really played to his strengths. I, I think that he is a kind of more of a a jazz pop guy than yeah. I find that kind of I find that kind of interesting because Joe Jackson is somebody who a lot of people in the industry and even in this genre of music um, praise, you know. So what is it that Joe Jackson did for for punk and new wave? And and, and that's a question I'm posing. 
what is what is it he did for punk and new wave or post punk and new wave? I I don't know. I I think that it's it might be one of those things where he's like he's like the Orson Welles of music or something, you know, where everybody <laughs> just sort of acknowledges his brilliance and he does a lot of different things and some are successful and some aren't, but he's just everybody knows he's a super duper talented guy. Um I I haven't heard anything off of his first two albums that indicates that it for like new wave or post-punk that he is blazing any trails. At one point I really did love his first two albums a lot. Um, but I couldn't tell you why. Yeah. Um, it was another time. The the (laughs) foolishness of youth, I suppose. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Yeah. So anyways, uh, but we're still going to listen to a couple of songs and they're, they're pretty good songs. The, the, the ener- I like the energy, um, so let's start off with um, my pick. Uh, this is a song uh, called Friday. Lazy Chili was a flower child All the summer, calmly running wild She'd be silly and her friend just smile Pass the bottle, wash the pills now while we're wrong I actually really enjoy the energy behind that that song. Um, this is the probably the um, high point of the album for me, just in energy and intensity. Doesn't uh-huh. you know? Doesn't come close to matching "Got the Time" uh, off of mm-hmm. his first album, which is very, very much my my all time favorite Joe Jackson song. And I just wish that he had done a lot of more songs like that and this yeah. one that's that's uh i i think he does that really well uh just disappointing that that he didn't do it more yeah okay so i like the song that you picked as well i picked a song called don't want to be like that So uh, this is where we stop for this episode. We have nine more um, releases in October to go, which we will cover in two weeks. So just a reminder, tonight we talked about the Falls uh, sophomore release, Dragnet. 
the Blondie album Eat to the Beat, the Reds' debut self-titled release, the Reds, the Adverts' second and final album, Cast of Thousands, the Police's sophomore release, Regatta de Blanc, the Tourist's sophomore release, Reality Effect, Midnight Oil's sophomore release, Head Injuries, The Skid's sophomore release, Days in Europa, and Joe Jackson's sophomore release, I'm the Man. So I'm just going to say it right here. Uh, I, I've already said it. The high, high point of this, and my, uh, my blue ribbon goes to the police's uh, second album, Regatta yeah. de Blanc. Yeah, where, was, you, where, where, where are you at? That was definitely a good one. Um, so I actually had a couple high points, uh, mm-hmm. but I will say my best in show is going to have to be The Police. Um, mm-hmm. I also really enjoyed the Blondie album. Um, and, you know, there were some other things. I mean, I, I actually really liked the playlist overall. Um, you know, there were some albums that I just didn't really click with, but individual song wise I, I think i think it's a cool playlist mm-hmm. but but yeah one more my blue ribbon goes to the police well we are uh quickly very quickly running out of time so let's just wrap this up stick around <laughs> after the fade if you want a um a little preview of the albums that we are going to be discussing the next episode As always, the link to the Spotify playlist where you can listen to all of these songs in their entirety is in the um, description. So go ahead and check that out. And once again, we are going to go out on a mystery song. This is a song off of one of the more obscure albums that we'll be discussing next episode. So... Let's test your knowledge and see if you can identify the band. Rob, any any last thoughts before we wrap this up? No. Well, there, one last thought, and that is that we are getting closer and closer to the end of 1979. So mm-hmm. you guys keep thinking about that and uh, keep your, uh, you know, keep your lists going. So uh, there will be a time where we ask you to give us your your top. Your top song, our top albums of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, something that we were going to mention uh, when we were talking about the police's uh, Regatta de Blanc, uh, which we neglected to, but it's not too late. Uh, so originally, we were planning on doing a deep dive episode on the on the police oh, this yeah. month, and then we realized, oh, there's too many albums, so it, we had to bump it. However, I think it would be a shame for us to go a whole nother season without. Um, doing our deep dive on the police. So we will um, kind of break our format and stick in probably as a bonus episode towards the end of the season, a deep dive on the police. In fact, um, we've got a line on a pretty cool guest. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is something to look forward to. Look forward to it for sure, yeah. 
Okay, Rob, um, I'll speak to you in a couple of weeks then. Fantastic. All right, everybody. We'll see you. Albums covered for the second half of October 1979 are The Germs, G.I., Surf Punks, Surf Punks, Human League's album Reproduction, The Dickies' Dawn of the Dickies, and The Specials, The Specials. Madness's debut album One Step Beyond, Cowboys International with an album called The Original Sin, The Flies album Own, and Cabaret Voltaire with Mix Up. But first, let's just, uh, let's do a regular rigamole. Um, wait, it's rigamole, isn't it? How, how do you pronounce it? Rigamole. Rigamole. Okay. <clears throat> Let me try that again. I don't think I've ever actually said that out loud <laughs> That's funny. I've, yeah. I've heard other people say it, and I've seen it on printed yeah. rigamarole. Rigor, yeah, rigamarole. Rigamarole. Okay. But first, we got to get through the regular rigamarole. <laughs> <laughs> what is it again? Rigamarole. Rigamarole. Rigamarole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs>